Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that next week I'm going to be doing a special solo episode about my spring 2020 collection for Impact Fashion. It's a little bit different from the previous collections I've done, and it's launching in stages. I personally experienced a lot of growth while creating this collection, and I want to share some of that with you. I'll be recording on February 22nd. If you're listening to this before then and want to ask me a question about design, process, or the Spring 20 collection at all, shoot me an email at beimpactfulpodcast at impactfashionnyc.com, and I may answer it on air. Now, let's start the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a mom of five about her journey with chronic pain, how a defective roller coaster harness changed her life forever, and the things she told herself during a grueling recovery. I first met Dina Pilevsky at a networking event where she was a featured speaker and told the incredible story that you're about to hear. This is a story about what happens when someone decides that they won't give up and how they choose to channel their own pain to help others and make a difference in their lives. I was very outgoing. I always loved people. I loved, you know, fun. I was always creative. I was a dreamer and always artistic and creative. Did you have a specific like artistic outlet that you love? Like, were you a painter? Were you, uh, I, I was a sewer, obviously. Oh, um, right. Look, you're a fashion designer. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, yeah. Did you have like a specific place where that manifested itself or was it just all over? So I felt, you know, I was always a dreamer. So in my mind, I was either going to be in television or a famous sculptor. I always liked using my hands and drawing and painting. Um, that was something that later got affected in my life when I realized I had to channel in other ways. But I was always someone, I, I'm sure you feel the same way, that had this creative energy that I kind of had to unleash onto the world. Oh, so. for sure. Yeah. If there was something that I could like make with my hands, I was all over it. I went through really, in I, I did painting for a while. I still pick it up every now and then. Cake decorating. There was a very intense cake decorating phase. It was really yummy. Um, but sure. yeah, of course, creative people. Tights. Yes. Tights. If I had ripped tights, because my mother wouldn't let me cut up my clothing, obviously. So if I would have a pair of ripped tights or something that would be going in the garbage, I would quickly sneak it and make something for one of my Barbie dolls. Oh, kind of so self-taught. So that's that's so yeah. great. That's so fabulous. You mentioned that it got like affected later on in life. Do you want to tell yes. me a little bit more about that? Okay, so should I, should I go and tell you my story? And Let's go. Have, okay. So actually, it really started when I was in fifth grade. And we got into a school bus, school bus accident. Because, you know, you have to keep your children in boosters until they're about eight years old. But in school buses, at least in New York, it's kind of a free-for-all. My yeah. kids are like, oh, I tripled, I doubled, I stood in the, the aisle. So that had weakened my neck. And then at 17 on a roller coaster on senior trip, um, due to a defective shoulder harness, so it wasn't holding the top half of my body in place, 
I um, herniated the disc in my neck. And so was, was, did something happen? Like, were you thrown from the roller coaster or anything like so that? I wasn't thrown. It was all drops. It would go up, down, up, down, about, I think there were like seven drops. And when I got off, immediately, I felt this intense, intense pain. And it was all on my left side. And then my fingers started to go numb. And I'm like, I'm in trouble. And my, my eyelid was kind of hanging. And I knew that this was not a good thing. So, of course, I was on senior trip and I went to the chaperones and I ended up, which was, I mean, kind of embarrassing and all my teachers had to put me on a spinal board along with the, the emergency medical team. And my parents wanted me back in New York to see a physician in New York. Where so was I the was trip? Born, it was in Canada. Canada's oh. wonderland. <laughs> yes. I that. I don't know my senior that. trip. Um, my and, sister's senior trip were all also to Canada, to Niagara Falls. Be like, this is not exciting. It's Canada. I, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't get it. But, and it was, the roller coaster was mind buster. I'll never forget it. And in fact, I have a picture on it because one of my friends, after it happened, you know, you can purchase a t like the picture. <laughs> right. She got it for me. She's like, I thought this would make you feel better. I'm like, yeah. And now I have it forever. So after that, I was sent on a special medical plane back to New York. I saw a famous pediatric neurosurgeon who said the cervical spine, that's the neck, is very complicated, which I learned later on, and not to operate to, and my father's a physician, so, you know, to not operate and to leave it alone and that my body would repair itself over time. And I knew I couldn't go on any, you know, crazy water slides, obviously no more roller coasters, I was a certified scuba diver. I knew that I had to be careful on the dives that I would take. Like I would normally jump off a boat with two tanks on my back. And I knew that was not gonna happen, but I, I, I didn't really think about it. I adjusted my life accordingly. I remember um, being on my honeymoon and there was this, in Hawaii, and there was this crazy water slide. And I said, oh, I can't do that just in case. And I would get a headache once or twice a month that was very intense and would come out of nowhere. And I knew it was kind of radiating from the neck, but I'm one of those people that, you know what, you just suck it up and you, you go along. Right. Um, I'd studied sculpture and art in London. I moved cool. there for a while. I, uh, before that, I had interned by Maury Povich, living out my TV dreams, you know? That's Your fabulous. Father. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and we sent everyone to boot camp. That was definitely an experience. <laughs> and, you know, you, you go about your life. I had met the man of my dreams. I got married. I had my first child, which he was a few weeks early. And I didn't push, which all my friends would had babies and had pushed for hours were like, you're so lucky, I'm so jealous. And I didn't know that later on I found out had I even pushed once, I would have been immediately kind of paralyzed oh my on my left side, by my left hand. So, which is my dominant arm. All wow. of this, of course, affects oh. my dominant hand. Right? right, of course, you're a lefty, which is not so common. And of course it all happens on your left side. So you have to, you know, take adjust accordingly and do all of that so you you found out afterwards that your your back and your spine was so compromised that had you yes. really labored you would have broken yes. it right the wow. neck so it actually is 
the neck is very complicated because people have back surgery. And by the way, something that I've learned in life, if someone has, a lot of people have said to me, I'm not gonna complain about my pain because, oh, you're in such chronic pain. And I always say, your paper cut is your paper cut. It's burning you, it's killing you. I learned a long time ago um, when I was 17 and I just lost my grandmother and I was with my mom who had just kind of gotten through mourning and we ran into a friend of hers who had just lost a child. And my mother said, she said, I'm so sorry about the loss for your grandmother, for your mother. And my mother said, you know, I'm not gonna say anything to you because you lost a child. And she said, your loss is your loss. My loss is my loss, but your loss is your loss. And that taught me a lot in my life. So I, yes, I suffer in chronic pain. Yesterday I had a terrible day. I'm getting ahead of <laughs> myself there. But everyone's pain is their own. So it really affects my neck, which is the cervical spine. and. The thing about the neck that's so complicated is that you hold up your head every day. So that would be important. Yes. So when you get to the, the back, your, your rib cages and your collarbone can help you that if like you have back pain, even though back pain is immense, you at least have that, that kind of can keep you a little bit solid or your core and your muscles. But when your neck is shot, it's almost impossible to hold up your head and it's always causing pain because it's like it's taking an injury and then putting a bowling ball on it. So, wow. Yeah. That's, that's intense. So you have your first child. What made you realize that, like, how did you find out that had you labored, you would have been in serious pain So, or you would have, you know, done serious yeah. injury to yourself? So life was pretty perfect, right? I had the man of my dreams. I had um, decided to focus on raising a family. We had just moved to the suburbs. I had a toddler. We just bought our first home in the suburbs. And honestly, of course, I love New York City and I miss New York City, but it, it was a nice thing. And life was pretty perfect. I was pregnant with my second child. I was five months pregnant. And I had just told everyone and I thought, look how perfect life is, amazing. You know, my biggest worry was how am I gonna toilet train my son, which by the way, to moms out there is very difficult. <laughs> right? I can imagine. Not easy, but you know, we all make it through. Anything involving own. poop is not easy, just in general. I know, happy chaos, I always say happy yes. chaos. <laughs> um, so I was five months pregnant and I literally moved the wrong way and my neck snapped. And I knew, you know, you, you forget pain, but when that pain comes back, you know, you, you, know, you know where it's coming from, you know what's happened. And it was that same instant pain, that immense crushing, shattering, like bone breaking pain that I had felt that day by the roller coaster. And I knew I was in trouble, I couldn't, move and I my obstetrician had given me two weeks to decide whether or not I would I I found out that I needed surgery I'd seen a neurosurgeon I had spinal cord compression so the disc that had damaged disc had now was pushing on my spinal cord my cervical spinal cord and again I 
had damage to my hands, my fingers, I couldn't feel, I couldn't use my left arm. And they had told me that if I waited to have the surgery until after I gave birth, the nerve damage, the damage to my spinal cord would be permanent. They didn't know that how much of it I would get back when they relieved the pressure from the disc. So I decided, I had two weeks to decide, my OB said you can do it, but after five and a half months pregnant, it's too much for the baby, it's too dangerous. They had to go in through the front. No, I had it three times through the front. In fact, my voice, it has changed because three times they kind of move over the, uh, the voice box. After one of my operations of getting ahead, they said, you may have an issue speaking. And I was thinking, I love to talk. This cannot <laughs> happen. Anything but this. You know? Anything but that. Anything but this. And you wake up from that darkness after surgery. And I remember after that one where they always say, you know, what's your name? Where are you? What's today's date? Who's the president? Because you wake up out of anyone who's had surgery, unfortunately could understand this. It's not like you wake up out of a dream. You wake up out of like darkness and you're right. like, and I'm like, I'm like, yes, I can say my name. I can speak. <laughs> I can talk. I can be there. How long was it? Like, how old were you at that point when you're pregnant with your second child and you need to go in for this major surgery? So I was about 25, I think. 25. Wow. So it was almost 10 years after the, the, yeah, the it was original 10 incident. Years. It was 10 years. So I was about 26. It was 10 years wow. that I had lived my life. I didn't realize. And I moved the wrong way. And, and it's my simple. life was changed forever, forever. Everything that I knew, everything that I took for granted, um, everything that, you, you know, you, you don't expect life to be perfect, but if, you know, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy and everything that I had thought in my mind, how I would, had planned out my life, what I was gonna do for myself, had then all of a sudden, taken this turn because right where do you go from that so I had the surgery they had said to me that they had to go through the front they couldn't when you say the front you mean the front of your the neck, front of my right? neck they okay. did an anterior I think this because they went through this you know me being the little vein I was always worried about the scars and they said don't worry we'll go through a crease line in your neck so they went in and their biggest concern was the damage to my spinal cord. So they said it was a neurosurgeon who was gonna go in, get that disc out and get out. And there wasn't a lot of time because they were concerned about the baby. In fact, that was my most terrifying surgery. And it was in Cornell, New York Hospital, by 68th Street. So you walk along this beautiful, so they couldn't normally, they give you something before surgery, you're out before you're even in the OR. But here, they were like, listen, we're not gonna put you out to the very last second because uh, how it could affect the baby. And we need all the time we can while you're under for the surgery. And we're limited. Even the anesthesiologist said, I don't want you to freak out, but you may wake up during the surgery, but we'll put you right back out. And I was like, Please, please don't let that happen to me. Oh don't my God, that's I, terrifying. Yeah, and also- They, also, they, they yeah. couldn't put you fully out because you were- They pregnant. put me fully out, okay. but it was the, I don't know that much about anesthesiology, I should after all this, but whatever they normally give someone to like knock you out, knock you out, 
they had to contour things because of the baby. So at that point, so it wasn't something as strong. Thank God I didn't wake up. I remember a funny thing, because you do have to look in the humor and things, that here I am, I take this long walk by this gorgeous view of the river, you know, and I get to the OR and the surgeon's there and he says, I need to see your ID. And I'm like, I forgot my wallet. I left it at home. He's like, your ID bracelet. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> no, and I was laughing about it. It was that, that whole time before I went under, you had a team by the baby, a team by my neck. I mean, they put a central line in while I was awake. It was pretty terrifying. Yeah, that um, sounds awful. Yeah. And then it worked and everything was okay? So no, oh. you know, listen, I had my daughter. She is almost 14. In April, she'll be 14. Wow. She is amazing. I didn't want to know whether I was having a boy or a girl because I felt very guilty about the surgery. And she's named after my grandmother who passed when I was a teenager and I was very close with her. So I said, my grandmother was definitely watching over her and I should have realized that it was a girl because of that. So she was amazing and perfect, thank God. But unfortunately, and I got most of the use back for my hand and my fingers and my arm, except I lost some fine motor use, which meant I could no longer paint, draw, sculpt, which took, that took a big hit emotionally for me. But worse than that, I was trying to go about my life and I was in a lot of pain. And the doctor said, listen, you're still pregnant. So after I gave birth and he said, well, it's because you're nursing. And after- It's because you're nursing that you have pain in your neck? Exactly. So the weight from the nursing and your body is, you know, trying to repair itself from everything. So it's like, okay, you know, listen, I, I said to myself, Dina, like, let's get through this, suck it up, try to get, you know, live your life, take care of the baby, take care of my toddler, um, be there for my husband, try to get my life back on track. And I was always someone before this happened, I always um, put my time in to give to others if someone had a baby or someone was sick or um, I would work for volunteer for charitable causes. Even I always loved kids. And while I was in college, I was like a candy striper at LIJ and North Shore. And I would help out kids who were sick. And that was always something that was important to me. But here now I was the one that was struggling physically. And I really didn't, want to my friends were were great everyone in the beginning you know cooked for me and would visit but at a certain point i just after i had the baby i just wanted to get better but of course the pain was so intense and so immense again it felt like my neck was shattered and every time i would try to go to the supermarket and lift a, a jar of baby food and put it in my cart, I was struggling and, and it was terrible. I wasn't, I was starting, I was having difficulty functioning in life. So I found out about this famous surgeon who chose his patients and I sent my films to him and right away I got a call and they said, listen, he wants to see you. Your neck is not stable and he feels you need an emergency surgery right away. And as terrified as I was, I was so hopeful. 
because I was thinking, this is not in my head. Like this is, I'm going to get better. There's a cure. Right. There's something physically wrong with me. I'm not just making it up. I'm not just a crybaby who can't recover from birth and neck surgery and all of that. Uh, there's, you look at the images, you see something wrong. Let's go in. I hate that we have to do surgery again, but let's fix it. That's where you're here. Yes. Yes. Okay. And by the way, a piece of advice to everyone, and this is really, really important. You know your body best. I don't care how famous the surgeon is. I don't care how important he is or doctor or whatever, whatever it is in your life. If you're somewhere and you're suffering or something's not right and everybody's telling you it's in your head and you feel it, continue searching. Don't just say, okay, well, you know what? They know better than me. I mean, sometimes maybe that's the case, but if you feel, and I've given this advice to people and you know what? Sometimes they'll call me back and say, you're right. It was something else that the doctor was missing. So I think that's very, very important know your body, trust your body, and believe in yourself. It's, it's so, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's not so easy because I've had a lot of doctors along the way that I trusted. Um, in fact, this surgeon that was so famous, I'm not gonna say his name, he had said, it'll be very easy. I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna stabilize your, your neck, I'm gonna give you a fusion, put uh, a plate in the front of your neck, go into the same incision. I'm going to go in quickly. I'm going to put a plate. You'll be fine. And I said, am I going to stay over the, the night in the hospital? Nope. You'll be home that day. Great. Next thing I know, I wake up. I'm in the ICU. None of my family's there. I have a huge central line, line in my arm. Uh, my, my neck is obviously like all bandaged up. I can't I can't walk, I can't, everyone's in these yellow suits and masks. And this famous surgeon came by and I said, what happened to me? Like, why am I here? Where's my family? And he said, you were bleeding from your vertebrae. We had some trouble, but I, I put the plate in. You're, you're gonna be fine. And, and then he said like, really? He said, can just someone shut her up? You know, he thought I wouldn't remember. And I said to myself, Dina, you never forget what he said to me. Never forget it. I was like holding on to that. I don't remember the rest. And I was in the hospital for a while. And I got out. And once again, I was in pain. So this was essentially a botched surgery. It wasn't a botched surgery because he did put the plate in. But my pain wasn't gone. Right. And he said that he did a gorgeous job. And you know what? from the MRIs and CAT scans and films, it looked great. But again, I wasn't able to function. And I, oh my I didn't, it, it was crazy. I didn't understand what was going on. And again, I tried to live my life. Um, I did have children. I had another child through all this because I also felt I, I had five kids. Happy chaos. I wow. felt that, yeah, and I carried them all myself. Um, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, using the Yeah, but in your situation, yeah. that's really impressive. It, you know what I felt like? And I had someone who actually just questioned me about this recently because I did have a friend who was sick and she could no longer carry children. And I convinced her to use a surrogate. I said, if you feel like your family's not complete, and go for it. your adoption's not for you, then you know what? Then, then go for surrogacy. But 
for me, and I had to have my doctors on board with every single child. I felt like, and we'll get to that, the, between the, the um, third and fourth operations, I felt like, well, maybe I should, and I'll get back to the whole kid topic. Mm-hmm. So basically I found a new surgeon, right? And this surgeon had said, listen, you need, we need to open the front of your neck. We need to open the back of your neck. We're going to put another half plate in the front. We're going to put some screws in the back. We're going to put some rods and we're going to stabilize everything. And I'm like, this was a lot. I went through with both operations and after it, that, that was where I, I hit my rock bottom. After that, I couldn't get out of bed. Any tr- any time I tried to get out of bed, the pain was so immense. And I literally lived in bed for two years. And let me explain what that's like, because it's not like, okay, I was in bed. No, you know, I needed help with daily care, getting dressed, although getting dressed was, and I'm someone who loves fashion, getting dressed was in pajamas every day. Um, if I did leave the bed, it was either with a high back wheelchair, a wheelchair that had this piece to, to hold up my head. I was always in a hard cervical collar. And sometimes if I was lucky, I would be able to use a walker. I, at that point, it was so much for me that I, and I was told just, just so you can understand that the surgeon basically said, listen, your, your neck just couldn't take it. This is that you will live in this immense, intense pain for the rest of your life. <sighs> yeah. And I felt like, so when it, when it comes to the, the children topic and all along, I felt like my neck had taken so much from me in my life. Cause I also, I pushed away family. I pushed away friends and I felt like I couldn't be an artist anymore. I could barely be a mother and a wife, um, but I felt like I'd always loved kids and I wanted this large family. And I felt like if I'm stuck like this for the rest of my life, at least I'll have the family that I always dreamed of, you know? Right. And all my surgeons were like, okay, it's kind of like, look at the way she is. Like, at least let's help her have that. You keep mentioning this, that you're someone who, you know, suck it up, deal with the pain, suck it up. You're okay. Suck it up. Just deal with it. You know? And I think that we tell ourselves things like this a lot. You know, we tell ourselves things like this all the time that, you know, it's, it's just in your head or people have it way worse or you, or, you know, I can deal with this. I'm strong enough. And that's not always the case, you know, and, you know, I know from personal experiences, there are plenty of times when I've, you know, tried to push and push and push myself. And then eventually you just, you crack and and it doesn't work. And what it, what is something that you was there something that you needed to do specifically to to help yourself let go of that mentality of I'm fine just suck it up just get over it or was it something that just happened over time so i think that all the surgeons which i felt knew better than me basically kept saying to me it's not that bad it's in your head and I was kind of upset at myself, like you say, suck it up, suck it up, suck it up. And I, I did try so hard to suck it up, suck it up, but 
four cervical operations that had failed, like four. And you know what? I started to pity myself. And I started to say, this is the way it is for you, Dina. This is, your life is a dead end. You lost so much, you know? You're just gonna be stuck in this bed. And I was okay with that. At a certain point, I just felt like I just, anytime I took the energy to get up, it was too much pain, you know? And I just, I was like, it's just, just this is the way it's gonna be. And I don't know what that exact moment was. I, it definitely was because I saw how I was lost to my children and to my husband. I was the shell of Dina. I wasn't, I was always someone who never took no for an answer. If there was something that I wanted or needed, I was always like, what's the worst someone could say? No, push yourself, ask, do. I was always helping others and here I was just resigned to living in a bed. And I, I think it was at one point when I just saw that look on their faces, that it was such sadness that I was there. I, I wouldn't go on family trips. I love traveling. I love traveling to see the world, to, to see other cultures and meet different people, different languages, different accents, different colors, different fashion. It's just, it's amazing. And I, my favorite thing to do in the world is to be with my husband and my kids and travel. And I was like, go take them. It's, it's winter break, take them away. It's summer break, take them away. And I just sat in bed. I remember something, my daughter for those two years wouldn't get a haircut. She wouldn't. And that was one of the things when I finally like made my decision, I was like, how terrible for two years, this little girl would not get a haircut because she wanted her mother to take her and I couldn't do it. That's yeah. heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. So how'd you get out of bed? So I made a decision that I was going to pull myself out of the darkness and I was going to live my life. Whatever that meant, it was enough. I was not going to be in that bed anymore. I made that decision. That was it. That was it. I had to find something better. There had to be something better. Okay. And I found a new surgeon because I hadn't even, I had found out, so I found a new surgeon. I got new films. Just going through that whole process again, saying, okay, I have to go do an MRI again. I, you don't, you don't want to do that. But you right. know what? I made this decision and time had gone by and I said, there has to be a surgeon that just focuses mainly on the cervical spine. And I found this surgeon, Andrew Hecht at Mount Sinai. And I remember his waiting room was all people in cervical collars. And I'm like, yes, this is- I'm in the right place. Right, I'm <laughs> in the right place. And I literally, because when you're in immense pain, you don't care how you're presented to the world. And right. I literally was like crawled into his office. I remember being in the waiting room and kind of like bent over and you, you, you're in such pain that you can't help but to even be like, uh, uh, like you, it's, it's so bad, but right. I wanted 
to get better. I needed to get better. And he immediately, I'll never forget, he put my scans up in like this 3D thing in his office. And he said, your neck has to be redone. It's, you have screws in the wrong place. So imagine if someone put a screw in a person's knuckle, right? Put a Ouch. few screws in there and then said, bend your finger. And wait, not only am I gonna bend your finger, I'm gonna put a heavy weight on your finger and then bend it. You can't, it's crushing, it's impossible. Right. So that's why every time I tried to move, it was so terrible. Wow. And I had booked the operation. It was terrifying to me to be going in and doing this again. I only told immediate family. I maybe told two friends. I pushed, you know, and that's something also that I learned later on. I pushed my friends away. And I think it was also hard for people to understand that it's, it wasn't about you. It was about me. I was going through a dark period. I hit my rock bottom. I was suffering, you know? Um, and I always say that to people now. If you know someone who's sick or not feeling well or just is suffering in some way in their life, reach out, leave a message, send a text. And you know what? If they don't respond, that's okay. At least they know that you care. Don't make it about you. If you're going to do something good, just put it out there and do good and say, you know what? I don't need a return response. I just want them to know I care. Right. I'm just going to put out this good energy. And if it comes back to me, great. And if not, then you hold on to it for as long as you need. Exactly. So back to the operation, I made this decision to do it. Excuse me. I wanted to do it with a clear head. And right before, I'll never forget it was in November and I'm in Mount Sinai and everyone is, you're, you're with like a, it was crazy. You're with like in a room, it's like a hundred people waiting for all these major operations and all you have are these little curtains. And I was, and at one point they, they had my family leave so that they could prep me. And I was shaking from nerves and the anesthesiologist is like, let me give you something. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going into this strong and clear headed. Like I know, that this is my choice, that I want this and that I want to get better. And okay. famous surgeon came in and he saw me shaking. He told everyone to go out of my little area and he pulled the curtain and he's like, listen, I wish this was your first operation. It's not. I wish I was your first surgeon. I'm not. I said, but you're not able to function in your life. Give me a chance, even if it's 25% better, you have to give me a chance. And with that, I felt like that last burst of strength that I needed to go and do this. And I felt like whatever was going to come, he didn't even exactly know what, he, what the plan was. When I signed that waiver for surgery, it was like to basically do whatever he needed. I didn't know how I was coming out of there. And when, I, I did wake up and I came to, I found out, first I was in the hospital for a while. I found out, he said it was such a mess. He took out, I also, I remember like feeling my head and I'm like, wait, where's my hair? They had shaved half my head, the bottom portion. Wow. They had taken out like part of the skull, the base of the skull, something like that. They, they put all these rods and screws and he said, 
he saw the surgeon Andrecht, he saw that if he didn't do more than he had planned and go further down into kind of once the L vertebrae, which is the 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 spine, the back could kick in. So he said that your rib cages and your collarbone will help give you strength. He said he saw that in another year and a half, I would be back on his operating table. He said, your neck wouldn't be stabilized. So this whole time, my neck, all these years, before the original surgery, everything I'd gone through, my neck had never been stabilized. It had never been like properly glued back together right. for lack of a better word. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly it. They, he took part of my pelvis and put it in my neck because I had over the other operations, I had rejected cadaver grafts. So he put, he was very creative. He put a cadaver graft in my, my pelvis. He put my pelvis in my neck. And you know what? So, and after that surgery, um, I was very determined to get better. I remember saying to him, I want to walk. Once I get out of the hospital, I, I want to walk. And also I found a new pain doctor who I'll never forget. While I was still in the, the ICU and I was in so much pain and I also was afraid of pain because when you live your life in that kind of broken where, you know, I kind of describe it. I said, imagine like the worst toothache you could ever have in your life. Like with the root canal, with, and, and it just doesn't stop. Because when, when you have a toothache, you have to fix that right away because it's in your head. Right. When, when, when I'm in immense pain, I, I can't think straight. It's of course not. so painful. Like I'm in pain right now. Yesterday, last night, I couldn't move for 14 hours. And I, I had this opportunity yesterday to, for my fashion blog, which I'll get into, to be photographed for a magazine. Ooh. And yes, and I, I, I was like, I'm living out, you know, my dreams, my promise to myself. And I, yesterday morning, I woke up and the pain was so intense. And I'm like, no, not today. But I said, you know, I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to go. I'm going to smile. And I'm, I'm not going to give up and send an email saying, sorry, I'm canceling. I can't do it. Right. No, I'm going to do it. So I said to, and, and so the, I'll never forget. Dr. Jeffrey Giacconi, such a good guy, pain management doctor at Mount Sinai, he said to me in the ICU, he said, I will not let you suffer. Do not worry. I will not let you suffer. Wow. And it sounds so simple, but he was the first doctor that said that to me. Like, don't, don't be afraid. You're not going to suffer. Right. And so after the surgery, I had to use a walker because they'd taken out part of my pelvis. And I'd asked, I said, how long can I walk for? And they were like, because I, I wanted this to be different. Okay. And my other surgeries where I said, okay, I'm going to just stay in the hospital bed and pity myself. I'm like, no, you know, you're going to walk. He said, well, if you really want to, obviously walk with someone 10 minutes a day. And for a few weeks, and it took me, a every, and every day I got dressed, no matter how much, and no matter that I was sitting in bed, every day I got dressed because... I believe, which is one of the reasons I started my fashion blog, I decided to, I'd made a few promises to myself while I was recovering. So one of the promises was I had a surgeon along the way that said, 
you will never make it on a transatlantic flight ever again. And for those years while I was really suffering, in order for me to get on an airplane to Florida, which from New York is what, like two and a half hours? Something like that, yeah. They would have to put me on a spinal board. I look like Hannibal Lecter. Before anyone got on the plane, it was like, forget about wheelchairs. They would put me on a platform, like a lift, and they would let, I would lay down on a spinal board. They would lift this, this platform up to the door of the plane and then slide me in. Wow. It was, and it was, and that's why also I didn't want to be moved. It was, it was terrible to, to feel like that and to have people see that and have my family witness that. It's like, so I was very determined to walk and I made these promises. I said, one, I'm going to make it all the way to South Africa, which I just did for my 40th birthday. Congratulations. I did it. That was a big deal for me because I thought in my mind, first of all, I love animals. And I thought, if they're telling me that I can't do it, then I'm going to do it. And what's the craziest thing for me to do? I'm going to go to South Africa. I love that line of thinking. And I, I love that line of thing. You're going to tell me I can't. So what is the biggest, the biggest no. way that I could raise a middle finger and get there? That's right. And Fabulous. I did it. I told myself that I would find another way to channel my creative energy. And I've always loved fashion from the days when I told you taking the tights and making little outfits for my Barbie dolls. I said, you know what? I love getting dressed. I love style. I decided to create the perfect eye, the perfect eye in my, because I love New York. And um, the reason why I don't show my face and I haven't shown my face is that in the beginning, I really wanted it to be about fashion as an art. Let it be about the fashion. And I also, my, a short version of my story is on my website because I, promised myself that I would find a way in my life to take what's happened to me and help others. Because I felt like I had been through so much, I hit my rock bottom, which it's, it's hard for me to say. I'm a very proud person for me to put out there that I kind of failed myself and I gave up. That's very hard for me to say. But there, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Like I said to myself that I would live my life in color, that I would pull myself out of it. And I, I realized that the brain is incredible. It's so amazing that if you really want something, I mean, every, I can't, I'm still, I still live in pain every day. I have a procedure coming up this Tuesday I, every few weeks, I get um, a procedure, an epidural procedure that Dr. Draconi came up with that numbs my neck under fluoroscopy enough so that I can make with it, with that, with this successful surgery allows me to live my life and function as best as possible. Now, listen, there, there are days where I call my low battery days where like for those 14 hours, I don't move. I don't get up for anything. Like I do not move. Whatever position I'm in that I find, I have a bed that goes up and down, that's it. I'm locked into my cervical brace and that's it. I don't move. And um, 
but, and there are always different levels of pain, but I promise to live my life in color. And look, I mean, I'm so grateful. And you are. That, yeah, thank you for inviting me to tell my story. And, you know, I said, if I can, if I can help one person out there that's suffering, I always say, as we go through life, we all have scars. Some have physical, some have emotional, but I think that you can wear your scars with pride as something like I used to look at, I used to think of the, the scars that I have over here and by the back of my neck as something to kind of be embarrassed about, like, oh, it looks so terrible. And now I feel like proud of them because you know what? It's a badge of honor. It's something that reminds me of what I've been through and how far I've come. And I think that willpower is so important. You know, having a good support system, having people that you love and that care about you, whether they're close friends, family, whoever it is, just to have that is also very important because I definitely would not have made it through without the support of my husband and my, my kids. I always say my husband is a saint because I mean, we, we didn't know how I would end up. Right. Um, I think for me, the key takeaways from this um, are a few. And that is, num first and foremost, you're not crazy. You know, trust your body. If, if you 100%. feel that something is wrong, find, find your answers and see what, you know, see how far you can go to keep going, to keep going, to, to figure out what's going on. Yes. And for me, the other big thing um, is that you're not, you don't live pain-free today. You, no, you, no. you I live every day, right? You, and, and someone looking at you might not, might not assume that, you know, you're a fashion blogger in New York, living your best life. You and, you might, that. Yes. and you might not realize that you are in, in, in intense pain where sometimes you need to lay down for 14 hours yeah. to be able to regain that. So you really never know what someone else is going through. And Absolutely. the last thing for me that like is really sticking out is there, like for a lot of people where you're at right now, you know, you, you overcame the pain and like all of those like big Hollywood headlines. It's not always the most perfect ending. And sometimes the best perfect ending is where you're at right now. Like you're still in pain today, but you're able to make it work with your life. And that's your perfect ending. It's not perfect. It's not, it's you're not right. pain free. It's not 100% of the time, 100% amazing, but it works for you in your life now. And everyone has their own version of what really great is. And this is your really great. And if you have your off days, you have your off days, you, your, your low battery days, as you call them. I, I love, love that. that phrase, but I love that <laughs> so phrase because it, it's so true. And also we all have those days. We have those days yes. when we need to recharge. For yes. me, those look like a lot of Netflix and pajamas. And for you, that looks like yes. 14 hours in the same position. Yes. But who cares? Like everyone has those things that yeah. they need to do. Give people the benefit of the doubt, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. When I'm with the low battery and I don't respond to a text or an email, people get upset at me. And I'm thinking, you never know what someone's going through. And I'm not going to respond and say, so sorry, I couldn't move for 14 hours because I'm, I'm proud. And I don't want to say that. That's what someone but else's business. <laughs> Yeah, it's no one's business. And it's funny that you, I think it is important because to give people the benefit of the doubt, like you said, I always look put together 
and you don't know that I'm suffering. And to tell you a funny story, I mean, it's not so funny, but I, I'm legally handicapped. And I always said, the minute I don't need that handicap, I would cut it right up. And it's, it's very, very hard for me to drive. So I had surprised my daughter that I was going to take her um, to get her nails done, just us. And I was really proud of myself. I drove, I was able to park and I parked in the handicap because I was struggling parking between two cars and I got out and I was thinking to myself, wow, look, I did it, I made it here. And my daughter saw that I did it, I'm so happy. And this guy starts harassing me and saying, you're not handicapped, look at you. You don't look handicapped. <sighs> and I'm thinking, what? Like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know how much this meant to me to be able to be here and do this. And without the handicap, I wouldn't have been able to get there. So you never know what someone is suffering with. So like you said, that is so important. And you're right also about the, the Hollywood ending. You know, people always say to me, so is this your last surgery? I don't even answer that. I don't even talk about that. I think of like, I think of today. How am I getting through today? How am I making today positive? You know, it's like right. I ask my kids, instead of saying to them, how was school? You know, and then you always go, well, this one teacher said this and this friend said that. Instead, I say, tell me one good thing about school today. So like focus, it's, it's that thought process that I am going to focus on something positive. It's not easy, by the way. It's not always easy. Not. It's not like, oh, everything. It's like, like you said, like a Hollywood ending and everything's perfect. Yes, I suffer every day. And yesterday I felt like I was so excited for this photo shoot and my neck was stealing it from me and it was hard. It was really so hard for me to pull myself together. And I felt like even when I looked in the mirror, I'd done my makeup. I felt like you saw the pain. I saw the pain in my face. You can't right. hide that kind of pain, but I did my best to power through it. I did it. And I was still, while I was suffering later, I mean, sometimes when I'm stuck in bed for, for that amount of time, I would say it's like a horror movie because there's so much that you want to do, but that your body doesn't allow you to do. You know, right. you're like stuck there. You're thinking and, and you're stuck. And that's another thing. Listen to your body. You know, if you can, if you feel like something's wrong and, and you have to take a pause, take that pause, you know, push yourself, but not too far where you hurt yourself. Right. Give, give yourself the space to, to feel the pain, whatever, whatever the pain that you're feeling is, whatever, you, whether that's physical or emotional or whatever, give yeah. yourself the space to feel it. And then give yourself the strength and the permission to power through it also. Yes. Yes. And this, I always say you wouldn't, I appreciate my good days because of my bad days, right? right. Like today when at like four o'clock in the morning when the pain and I was awake through all of it started to like, I felt that men's crushing, breaking pain, like start to quiet and just come back to normal levels of bad pain. I was like, I, I'm, I was thinking, I'm so excited for today. I'm gonna get right. myself dressed up. I'm gonna look fabulous. I'm excited for this chat that we're having. And I'm like, it's a new day. It's a new right. day and thank God I'm here. I'm gonna live it. I always say, you don't know what a happy day is unless you had a sad day, not that you wanna have a sad day, but like 
it it makes you appreciate those good days. Yeah, it, it really does. This has been such an incredible, an incredible conversation. And sometimes when we're talking, I can feel the people listening just just being validated and feeling that in their lives. And if this is something that has helped you, uh, shoot us an email. I'm the impactful podcast at impactfashionnyc.com. Let me know. Uh, I'll forward everything to Dina so she'll get to see it as well. Um, and I just really hope that this helped you uh, with any amount of pain that you're dealing with in your own life. Um, and Dina has the most beautiful fashion blog, A Perfect Eye, which is, which is so pretty. And um, if people want to learn more about you, Dina, and The Perfect Eye, where should they go? Okay. So the website is theperfecteye.com. So I is E-Y-E. Just one word, theperfecteye.com. And on Instagram, it's at theperfecteye.ny. Because I had to add New York. Of course. New York is so core to all of fashion. You can't let it out. Yes. There's so much eye candy and personalities. I'm always proud where I go somewhere and they're like, are you from New York? I'm like, that's right. I'm oh, yeah. Don't mess, honey. <laughs> exactly. Like I, oh, this- I could tell that accent anywhere. I'm like, you know what? I'm very proud of right. Same. Oh, I'm such a New Yorker. Such a, like, even when I go to Jersey, I'm like, I walk a little taller. Like, I'm exactly. from New York. I'm like, power to the New Yorkers. I've, I've walked down, you know, Fifth Avenue and seen people with great fashion, and I've stopped them. I'm like, I love your outfit. Same. On Park Avenue, I once saw this elderly woman, and she really must have been in her 90s with a walker. She was in all bubblegum pink Chanel. Like, Amen. I that is fabulous. Power to you. And she had a little poodle. I don't know how she was doing it. I mean, she oh, was weighed down by her jewels. And I was like, you look fabulous. Fabulous. You. Power to you. Oh, that is amazing. The last thing that I want to ask you, Dina, is to you, um, in your personal life, in your work, in the way that you move through the world, what does it mean to you to make an impact? It means everything to me to make an impact. If I, it's so important to me to earn my space in this world. And if I can help others through everything that I've been through, then I feel like I'm truly healing. Wow. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Dina. This was amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You can find links to Dina's beautiful fashion blog, The Perfect Eye, in the show notes. You can access those by swiping up on the cover art. To hear more episodes, subscribe or head over to impactfashionnyc.com slash blog slash podcast. While you're there, feel free to check out what's new in the world of size-inclusive modest fashion. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review with something that you learned from Dina today. Let us know how it impacted you. A quick rating also makes a big difference. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.